poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Tactical Tuesday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and John Chai. Welcome, welcome, welcome to today's episode of Tactical Tuesday. John and I have resumed our normal roles today because it was confusing. Um, it was like you sleep on your partner's side of the bed and it just feels weird and everything's out of whack. So we've gone to our individual roles that we're used to and comfortable in. Although if you're watching on YouTube right now, you see he's like crowding my box. I can see his shirt is like just, you're, oh, get out of my space. What are you doing? <laughs> get over there. Um, <laughs> so got nothing to say. Welcome to the show. Do I, what, 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 what prompting do I uh, need? Where are these hands from? Here? They're from the Whose poker. hands are they? They're my hands, actually. I played hands. They're from my poker coaching playing explain that I do once a month. Um, and I play for three hours of 510, explain the decisions that I make. Hints a play and explain. This month's went quite well. I think uh, one close to five buy-ins, um, two tabling for three hours, which is Ooh. quite quite nice. So not a lot of... Uh, hands where I get smashed in in today's episode. But I think we do have some pretty interesting hands nonetheless. Yeah. It's crazy. What's going on? You played a poker tournament last week, playing live cash and winning a bunch of money this week. Like people might think that you actually play poker or something. Yeah, I don't want people to get the wrong idea. <laughs> um you know I I I I go back and forth. I, I always waffle, you know, the I'm envious of you and Shu. A lot of times when you guys just like have such a streamlined life of wake up, grind and study, learn, and that's it. It's very easy. Um, except then I remember like all the downswings and all the internal <laughs> angst and all the, you know, existential crisis questions about what you're doing with your life or whatever. I think that, yeah, the grass is always greener on the other side, as they say. But I do miss the the arena. I miss the streets. I miss the pressure. I miss um, the feeling of winning a bunch of buy-ins. And, and in some disgusting way, I also miss the feeling of defeat um, and having to get myself up off the mat after getting brutalized. Um, what makes winning feel so good? It does. You know, I'm I'm 38 years old and... Maybe there's uh, a next phase of my life that involves more of the playing of poker. I would love to actually play around, uh, travel around and play on some of the high stakes live streams. I think that's sort of a thing that I'm, I want to pursue uh, in the next couple of years. I don't think I want to pursue uh, live tournaments. <laughs> I don't think that's happened or <laughs> will ever happen. Change your um, tune real quick. <laughs> well, that's... Actually, my tune. It was exhilarating. I love the intensity. Like, man, just like every hand counted. I love that. It's a different. It's a different. It's a different ball game. And sometimes mixing it up is good. But I don't think that I made for that sort of 
Iron Man marathon <laughs> type of thing. Just like it's something to do a few times a year, but not something to do every day of my life. Like I, I, I was, I'm just now feeling good and it's almost a week after my experience. Like, I don't know how people do it during the summer at the WSOP. Like that's just MTT guys. I got to give you credit and girls. Um, so many props for being so strong and having so much resilience and stamina. I it's beyond me. You got into these hands. I guess if that's like a thing that people want us to do, we'll talk about these hands. Um, your arms in my square again, get the hell out of here. Um, so first hand starts out with a limp from or under the gun. We have the King 10 offsuit and we're about 150 bigs deep with the villain who limped. Uh, the villain is a, a fish, you know, they're playing 50 or 60% of hands. You know, they've been open limping a ton. Um, King 10 off here is a bit on the thin side of my ISOing range, but you know, I'm not ISOing King 9 off. So I think King 10 is like the bottom. However, as I stated in the poker coaching stream and my general philosophy is, you know, see weak player get involved with weak player. So I'll do whatever I got to do. And if the big blind three bets me, then so be it. I just fold a King and a 10. Um, not much. Opportunity how, much uh, how much does the kind of the player type of the big blind affect your decision here? Like if the big blind was a fish, would you think about flatting more often with King 10? Hmm. probably probably because yeah, yeah. i probably don't want to go three ways um but maybe not who knows it depends on the time of day that the mood that i'm in I, I think like i mean the big one just i don't know i'm just gonna assume he's a reg for now and i think like especially when he's a reg though i think isoing um actually putting in the raise pre-flop and isoing the fish i think is uh well worth it <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm going to take any sort of close situation. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to choose the option that gets me involved. Like, that's always my MO. Um, so I make it 50, and the big blind folds, and undergun limper calls, and I have the king of spades, the ten of diamonds. We smash a flop of deuce of clubs, five of clubs, tray of spades, uh, just kidding. That's not smashing. Uh, <laughs> I feel like whenever like you say something sarcastic like that, I try to look for some like weird runner runner connection we might have with the you know, hey man, at least we got like backdoor this or something. But like, can't even <laughs> I can't even say that about this board. In your hand, there's just there's the, maybe we can chop with the four and a six or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if it goes spade spade, we block the second uh, backdoor flush. So yeah, we got that going. So we don't really have much going for us. Um, but we do have initiative and we did isolate. Therefore, I felt a C bet was in order. So I feel I, like you like C betting these uh low boards. I do for a lot of other reasons too. Or yeah, there's reason, a lot a lot of reasons, reasons, right? Like there's a lot of overcards that I can represent. You know, I have not only do I have the king and the ten here, I also have the queen and the jack, I have the ace and the nine. I have the seven and the eight. <laughs> <laughs> I have all of those hands. A lot of cards bigger than a five in the deck, actually, when you start thinking about it. Right. <laughs> they're, they're pretty much all bigger, except for a four. Um, so, yeah, because of like the higher availability of overcards, I think that 
when you put in three bets, it's quite difficult for even a hand as strong as like ace five to call down with a lot of pressure. Um, and so like, that's sort of where I start my planning process for this hand is there's going to be over cards and I'm going to bet all of them. Um, and I think I'll realize enough fold equity to make those bets, uh, profitable. So any, I bet, uh, any, hmm? uh, any thoughts on sizing? Like this is pretty big. Yeah. I went big, you know, go big or go home. <laughs> that your plan is just to bet big on all three streets I'm pretty assuming. much yes that's that's the idea um, i like it so we bet uh 75 into 110 the villain calls and remember we're quite deep here which probably played a role in why i chose a big sizing because i know that i've got a lot of room to threaten um villain stack by going bigger the turn is the queen of spades so you know we're Almost to our backdoor flush completing uh, <laughs> game plan here, but we do um, have Queen Jack in our. <laughs> we have everything. Like there's <laughs> we have everything. We have all the hands here, so you know we can pretend that we have a queen. Um, and actually, I mean, this is just like a great card. We block King Queen. We block Queen Ten. Yeah, if yeah. they did call, like this queen is kind of like a picture perfect card. Uh, queen or jack so we uh, stick to the script here and go like 70 percent on the turn um villain calls so we've got 178 villain calls that there was 258 in the pot now there's 614 in the pot and we have something happen that is quite unanticipated and throws a monkey wrench into our plans we make a pair um, the river is the king of diamonds. And so now we're at this decision point of, do we bet for value? Do we check? What, what do we do, John? Um, I would say, I think it's like pretty close spot between betting for value and checking and trying to bluff catch. I think, um, if I was going to bet, I'd probably bet really, really small, maybe like a third pot or less. Definitely, definitely no bigger than a third. Um, I mean, we're really just trying to get called by like a hand like I think pocket sixes or some like strong five X or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um when we get to when we get to the, the river in this way. Um but <clears throat> I think like checking also has a lot of merit. I mean there's so many natural bluffs that the fish uh the under the gun fish can have that <clears throat> just like need to bluff all the brick spades, all the brick clubs, all the just random four X and like maybe they have like all the gut shots like the six sevens and the Maybe they even have, well, I don't know if they turn like ace high into a bluff, but if they like have hands like ace jack or ace eight that just called twice and maybe or, think they need to bluff or can ace can deuce, get you to... something like that, ace tray. Yeah, I was like thinking of like unpaired hands mostly and still get there. Like I, I still think that there are a lot of them. Um, yeah, maybe they do turn like ace deuce into a bluff as well. So. Uh, yeah, I would say it's really close between, like for me, it would be pretty close between bet tiny and check call. Yeah. I think because of the high availability of busted draws, I decided to check over betting. Yeah. Um, now it's like really good that we don't have clubs. Like, we're really yeah. happy about that. Yeah. yeah. 
now we're like, damn it, why are we blocking the back door? <laughs> uh, but actually, we don't want to back block, or we do want to block the back door, a <laughs> second nut flush draw, because <laughs> they, they would have a pair here. What am I talking about? Um, all right, so we, I, I do decide to check. They're 614 in the pot. They bet half pot and, you know, pretty slam dunk, easy call here. And, you know, they Ooh. have the ace of diamonds, seven of clubs. So just a dry gut shot. On yeah, if they're turning these turn. hands into bluffs, I think like check calling suddenly becomes way better. You know, if you, they just have like lots of naked ace X that, like, that do this, then. For sure. And if they're doing this with ace like maybe they do it. I think it's more likely that they are the type of player that would turn like ace deuce or ace three into a bluff. So yeah, I really, really like the check call now. I was pretty, pretty happy that outside of, you know, it, it's, it's like from the villain's perspective, they'll probably have the thought of like, wow, they're so lucky. Like I had the best hand um, until the river. Like why they have to make a pair? Yeah. And like, from my side, it's like if the river's not a four or an ace, I'm going to win. Yeah. <laughs> and if I make a king or a 10, I'm going to win. So like basically I'm going to win unless you make your straight or a pair of aces because I'm either going to bluff you or bluff catch if I make a pair. Um, so yeah, even though out of position with the worst hand and no draw, I very much like my side of the coin. Yeah. Yeah. I think these spots arise like quite frequently or like that relationship like happens a lot where or, like I, I know it looks like it, it looks like i just got lucky but really there's no way that you there was no possible way that you're gonna win this hand like i think even this guy like there's there's situations that are more extreme than this where like you don't have the four as an out like you're actually just gonna lose on every single run out unless you make some miraculous bluff catch hero call yeah like if i had six seven or six eight right 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 on the, yeah, on the four over yeah. i make a straight um they need they need to make an ace Basically, yeah. that that would be the their the one card they can call the river on. So anyway, even when you have to bear this in mind too, and I, th I think like from the other side, it's important to think about villain with initiatives' ability to bluff you and sort of what they're setting up and how you're defending against their strategy because it's quite easy to fall into the trap of feeling like you just got unlucky in a spot like this without seeing like the full picture. And I, and I really think that like you're served well by thinking about what what your real path to victory is um, and if there is a real path to victory and just being honest with yourself in these spots because yeah, on the surface, it looks kind of silly, but when you really look at it in depth, um, yeah, it's a tough spot for the A7. Also just shows that it's like, it's tough to play against aggressive opponents and that's why like being aggressive is really important. Like there's definitely a world where like this guy is not a fish and just you know maybe he called a three bet from you from the small blind and like just there's nothing you can do because you're super aggressive and gonna go bet 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 a lot and it doesn't even have to be like some guy playing inappropriate hands and right. pre flop and stuff like that so yeah that's fold equity is a thing that goes along with your actual equity and both of those concepts matter even though fold equity you can't always see and it's not always tangible um, it is a major part of the game. And uh, so with that said, you know, we're going to segue into the second hand, which is a bluff catch. And I guess maybe that's the theme of this episode, uh, two bluff catches in a row. Um, so stick around after the break. We will break down hand number two from my recent poker coaching, Plain Explain. 
The decision to enter a hand is fundamental to poker strategy. Too tight, and they know what you have. Too loose, and you're easy to run over. Pre-flop bootcamp from Chasing Poker Greatness is a comprehensive guide to locking down your pre-flop game and creating true range advantage. Eight days of guided training, over 60 optimal ranges, and access to a dedicated community of players that will push your pre-flop game from a place of weakness to your greatest strength. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp. Available now. John, I wanted to ask you why you decided to invest in a pre-flop bootcamp. Everything that you had done with me to that point, or I had heard you do, had impressed me. I loved the podcast. I accidentally ended up in the poker power hour and loved that. And then I took coaching and then you recommended the boot camp. And at first I didn't think it was, you know, something that would be that valuable. But I was like, everything else has been amazing. So I signed up and then it just blew me away. And what about boot camp blew you away? Like it started off slow, like I'm learning these ranges and I'm not even understanding what you're talking about. And then all of a sudden, as I start to understand what we're doing with the three bets, the four bets, all of a sudden it just kind of hit me. And I was like, oh my God, how do I not know this stuff? This is amazing. The more I studied them, I started to understand why they were constructed sometimes. Like I'd be like, that's why that's like that. And that would lead to more revelations and just a better understanding of poker in general. Do you have any interesting takeaways from your boot camp experience? The most interesting thing about the boot camp, it's a pre-flop boot camp, but I feel like it's done as much for my post game as it did for my pre-game, just because I'm not in as many awkward and bad situations as I found myself in. You know, when we were doing coaching before the boot camp, we couldn't get through 10, 15 minutes of tape without finding mistake after mistake. And then once we did the boot camp, it solved problems on the back end as well. I know you've studied for a thousand hours this year. How do you think boot camp compares to your other poker study? Oh, it's crazy. The boot camp is probably the most important thing I've done all year out of everything. I would give anything to go back and to, to know that stuff 10 years ago. I can't imagine how successful I'd be right now if I had known that stuff. And I thought the boot camp was so valuable that I literally insisted you take more money from me and paid you more for the boot camp because I was blown away. I just thought the price was too cheap. And it's changed my game in ways that I, I can't even explain to you. If you'd like to join the next round of Preflop Bootcamp, which starts on the last Saturday of every month, head to ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp to lock up your spot. One more time, that's ChasingPokerGreatness.com slash bootcamp. All right, welcome back from the break, and we are about to dive into hand number two. Uh, this second hand is kind of another spot where uh, I deviated from my typical preflop strategy, and it is against uh, a yeah, weaker opponent. 
um, as well. So we do have that theme working for us here. And so it starts out, we have a villain who's playing 75 bigs. So they have 750 in front of them and they open a 40 pre, um, which is atypical. And it was atypical for them as well. Typically indicative of a stronger hand, I think, from this player profile. Um, and I have deuces. And under most any circumstances, I, I wouldn't call. But again, I'm going to choose an action that gets me involved versus this player profile. Um, and I don't think that the players behind me are super incentivized to squeeze when villain opens big here. So I thought that the potential for getting squeezed was quite low and I wanted to get involved. Um, plus there's this pressure of like, yo, I'm doing this plain explain video on stream and like, you know, the, the, the people, they want blood, they want action. They want to get in there. So uh, I'm going to get in there. Yeah. I like the thing that you said about, uh, the four X, the $40 open being less likely to be squeezed. I think the forex is like, it's kind of a blessing and a curse in the spot where like, well, kind of sucks that we need to put in four big blinds with pocket deuces. But on the flip side, I don't think any of the regs behind you are going to mess with a fish who like, you know, just randomly forex. Like it just, it looks like his, he's, he's going to have such a good hand and it feels so dumb when like, you know, you threw, <laughs> you try to squeeze the spot and they just rip it in your face. And it's like, of course he has, he has a right. good hand. He like told me he had a good hand. <laughs> right. I didn't just try to realize my equity with my ACE five suited. Right. Right, right, right. Um, luckily everybody just folds and politely moves oh, out yeah, of the way, is which is, which yeah, is yeah. ideal. And less than ideal flop, we have the Jack of Clubs, Seven of Spades, Trey of Diamonds. There's 95 in the middle. Villain has 705, and I have them covered. They start out by checking, which, hooray, they didn't bet because we're folding versus any bet. Um, but once they check, we have a chance to realize equity and maybe get to showdown. So you'd, you'd fold flop versus a bet from the fish? Probably, yes. I think so. Like half pot C bet on this board with deuces, hard to improve. They, we already have like the four X open pre. I would just fold yeah. and kind of move yeah, you're on. Folding every turn to every size. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I would call with like any seven or ace tray. Um, probably any back doors, any gut shot. But I think deuces is just like you can't. You need a deuce, you know. Um. So the turn is a jack of diamonds, so pairs, top pair. So we have jack-jack, seven, tray with two diamonds. Uh, not a deuce, but also yeah, not, not the worst card in the world. Um, villain bets pot on the jack. Any thoughts about this pot size wager, John? I think, um, okay, so like in general, I think when fish pick exactly pot or overbet, I tend to just give fish lots and lots of credit for having really good hands i think like those two sizes specifically are um really under bluffed i think this spot is got to be different though like when they open and check the flop i don't know about you but i'm like instantly just going to start discounting aces kings queens and jack x um so unless this is like pocket tens maybe that like just is so sure that they have the best hands um I mean, like, it wouldn't be crazy, right? Like, if you saw, saw a fish, like, pot, yeah. pot the 10s here on the turn, like, you wouldn't be shocked. Um, I wouldn't be shocked. But, like, yeah, again, like, that range is, like, now, like, pretty narrow, right? It's, like, pocket 10s, maybe 9s, maybe 8s, but and I, maybe not even 8s and 9s. Um, right. And I 
don't think they pot with aces, kings, queens anymore, right? So like we have the tens, maybe the nines, maybe the eights, jack X, which I think they bet most of their jack X on the flop, which kind of leaves them with like, you know, 16 combos of ace king, 16 combos of ace queen. Maybe they bet some of those sometimes, but I mean, that's 32 combos and we struggle to find you know, more than like 15 that villain is betting here. Um, that's better than deuces. So we do, do decide to give it the old call. Um, I remember in the poker coaching stream, somebody asked whether you should raise or not. And please don't raise here. Um, <laughs> if villain has ace king or ace queen, yes, they do have. Raise as a bluff? To, for protection. Oh, for old, protection. Old, <laughs> protection raise. Yeah. So they have like 12 outs here to improve and beat deuces if they have an ace king or ace queen. But, you know. This is a decent situation. Uh, raising is only folding out the hands that you have an equity advantage against and targeting the hands that you're at an equity disadvantage against. And so, you know, the goal of poker is not to never get lucky. The goal of poker is to make solid, sound, fundamental decisions. So calling is the best route. Um, so we call. And the river is the 10 of hearts. There's 277 in the pot. And villain goes ahead and gives us the 70 percenter here bets 204 into 277 the final board is jack jack 10 7 3 no flush like the best river card we could have asked for given what we thought his range on the turn was right or his value range on the turn would be well a deuce could be nice (laughs) (laughs) and then the hand wouldn't be that interesting that's true um so yeah, I mean, it, I guess dive into why the 10 on the river. Being if we thought that, oh, yeah, if we thought that um, when he pot, when the fish pots the turn, that his value range is going to be a lot of pocket tens. Um, mm-hmm. This just reduces the available po- combinations of pocket tens. Now, now there are only three tens available instead of four tens out there. So four, there would be six. Or, I mean, <laughs> I'm talking about like, the absolute number of tens, not combos of pocket oh. tens. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yes, tech, six combinations of pocket tens. Yeah. yeah, from six to three. And just because of the high availability of like overcards of all varieties, um, yeah, I think it's just- also less likely that they bet eights and nines on this turn, especially for the size, right? Like maybe they pot the, tur- uh, the turn with eights and nines, but once the river brings an overcard, maybe they just check call or like, you know, go into bluff catching mode and, and don't bet. Yeah. Probably wouldn't bet this size with eights and nines. I think it's a good good river for a lot of reasons. So I do call and beat the ace queen off. Um, villain didn't show us the quads. Maybe quads make sense. I don't know. Yeah, quads. Quads would make sense. Quads might make sense, but yeah, villain just has the ace queen. Um, and I think like the major lesson here for the listener is like. If you always bet your overpairs and your jack X here, it can create some pretty bad downstream problems for representing any type of good hand on the turn and river. Um, so like how, whatever your out of position C bet strategy is, you know, sometimes you need to be checking your like top pair type hands or even some overpairs. Um, I guess the alternative would just be to bet everything. Uh, but you know that has its own sort of downstream. Yeah, my my advice well. for 
if you're out of position in a single raise pot like this, like with the guy with ace queen, I think the simplest way to like have a good strategy on the flop is just to check everything instead of bet everything or, or something like that. Cause I mean, you're just like, you're going to have so many hands. Like most of your hands are, are going to want to check, I think are, are going to be hands like this. And so when that's the case, I think it's just much easier to check everything instead of bet everything. Yeah. Cool. So two uh, bluff catches, pretty much, you know, the first one was pretty just slam dunk, obviously. When, when there's the argument for a value bet versus a bluff catch, then the bluff catch itself is fairly easy. Uh, and this one, while it looks more difficult than the first hand, I think that it's just as much of a slam dunk because of, you know, villains, the story that they told, the sizing that they used on the turn, the fact that they checked the flop, their pre-flop open sizing, just all the things makes it um, pretty clear that we should be calling the river with a pair. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like on top of that, like the last thing to add, I think is um, just showing how important it is to get in there with weaker players or fish. Like they gave away so much they gave away so much info with like just like the check on the flop and like sizing pre and stuff like that and like you don't get to like exploit all those data points against better players and so like when you have opportunities to make make exploitive decisions based on like fish just being bad at poker like you should get in there with deuces and iso the king 10 offsuit <laughs> call the call the forexer with deuces <laughs> get involved um yes always get involved with, with the weaker players. That's where the majority of your win rate comes from over the course of your poker career. And, you know, from there, I think we're going to close up shop on this week's episode of Tactical Tuesday. Um, application still open at cpgwolves.com. We are accepting new recruits and hope to have a new Wolf podcast up in the next couple of weeks. We're still solving some um, issues related to teaching and learning and all of those giant, uh, one going from one giant challenge to the next giant challenge. Um, but these things take time and I'm, I'm actually like pretty excited about the journey. And if there's something that like really gets me up in the morning, it's figuring out solutions to large problems that make my head hurt. I usually makes me want to go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's so much joy in being stumped, going to sleep and waking up with like a fresh idea and being like, oh oh oh, I know what to do. I know how, I know how we can go about doing this. And then like, um, you know, I, I I guess you and Shu will know quite well that like I'm always very optimistic. Like I think we can do this. Like. I think we can like get this knocked out in like a week and like a month later we're a month away from getting it knocked out. But once you get a month in, you you can't fucking quit then. Right. Like you, <laughs> you're committed, man. That's you're like, committed. Right. So I already put half my stack in the middle. Like, what do you want me to do? Just... Right. So that sort of uh, optimism and underestimating just the scope of massive solving massive problems can be beneficial. Just through um yeah just uh your <laughs> commitment so anything else to add before we head off are you gonna steal my line again no it's yours i told you we're back on our own i sites. might not even say it anymore you know honestly i'm just 
That's bitter. (laughs) (laughs) See you next week, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Look how happy he is. So happy. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter. Join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.